13, Proverbs chapter number 13, and I'm not going to preach any longer than the Lord would have us to be, and I know you didn't come here to get out, but I will be sensitive to time. I read a story the other day about a preacher who showed up behind the pulpit with a large band-aid on his face. Everybody was wondering what happened to him, and so instead of just trying to conceal, he went ahead and fessed up. He says, I was standing in front of the mirror this morning shaving, and while I was shaving, I was practicing my sermon and in the mirror, and he said, I got so excited during the sermon that I cut myself shaving, and after the service, there was a note in the offering plate that says, next time, trim the sermon, not your face. And so I'll, uh, I'll make sure we trim it up exactly the way the Lord would have us to trim it up. And uh, we're going to jump right into it if we could. In Proverbs 13, don't stand just yet. Uh, last Sunday, I, I really enjoyed the service. And it was a blessing to be able to share with you what's been on my heart uh, for probably the past five, uh, five or six months as we begin to seek the Lord's will in the direction of our church. And we condense the burden of the new year of 2020 down to one word, and that word is engage. And it's our desire and prayer by the grace of God that every member of this local body of believers, this body of Christ that we call Central Baptist Church would be engaged in the will of God in the new year, meaning that every one of us would find our place in God's purpose and fulfill it in the new year. Our main verse comes out of Ephesians chapter number four, where the Bible says that every part maketh increase. And it's my prayer that every part of this church has earnestly already begun praying about what part God would have you to play to make increase of our church in the new year. Last week's message dealt with the efforts of the engaged, and we look at simply of things we're going to have to be willing to do in order to uh, be a part of what God desires to do here. And remember, we're praying that God would work through us, not that God would do something for us, but that God would work through us. And last week, we looked at these gears and how each one of them has to be fitted for the part that they're going to play. They have to be committed to the place where which God has called them to serve, and then they have to be submitted to the person. This morning, we're going to look at something different in Proverbs chapter 13. I was reading Proverbs 13 Monday. Uh, Monday was the 13th, and I I read through Proverbs throughout the month. I read the one that corresponds with the day of that month, and Monday, I was in Proverbs 13 and stumped my toe on something unexpectedly applicable to our theme. It kind of reminds me of my wife. A while back, my wife got a wild hankering for a metal detector. You know, all of these treasure-finding television shows that are out there. She wanted to go find her some treasure, and she said, I'd like to get a metal detector. I said, well, let's just go buy one. And she says, they're too expensive. I'm just going to pray for one. And my wife's always being spiritual, you know. I said, I want to just go buy it. And she said, let's pray about it. And so uh, she said, I'm just going to pray that God will, will give me a metal detector. I said, all right, go ahead. And one night we walked in a dirt cheat right across town. And uh, there, you know, on the mountains of junk they have in there, on top of, this is no joke, on top of one of the mountains of junk laid out there like it was on display for Leslie Andrews was a metal detector. And it was like 80% off or something. She was so excited. God had answered her prayer. You know, you have not because you asked not. And uh, she got her metal detector. And we go out to our property. There used to be an old city out there where our property was. And uh, there are these bronze and brass type of coins, commissary coins, if you will. And uh, so she goes out there and she's metal detecting in the rain. I believe it was. She was so excited that she got one. She's metal detecting in the rain. And we're going out there in the field. And you know, and you back up. And slowly but surely, you 
you keep waving that thing around, and we would find, matter of fact, she found probably 8, 10, 12 of those old commissary coins that were there. But I thought about that when I was reading Proverbs 13 as I was just reading through Proverbs 13, try to read that chapter for each day throughout the year. And when I got to verse number 11, the metal detector of the Holy Spirit began to go off. I just kind of passed it up a little bit, you know, kind of beep, 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 and I just kept going, and the Holy Spirit says, back up, back up, there's something there I want you to see. And so if you would, let's stand together as we're going to read just verse number, thir- uh, verse number 11, chapter number 13 today. Proverbs chapter number 13, verse number 11. This was not the message I expect to be preaching today, but when the Lord leads, you go with what he wants. And we're going to read this verse through twice. The Bible says, wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the message, Lord, that you sent this morning. We thank you for, as we read a chapter that we've read many times, you begin to show us something uh, new and something fresh and something, Father, that I believe is applicable to our church today. Lord, I know with all of my heart this is what you'd have us to preach today, but I have to have grace, Lord, as we just sang about, to preach what you'd have us to. I pray that you'd give us boldness and liberty and recollection. I pray your spirit would do what only the spirit can do. And I pray that we would respond to the invitation and however you may lead us. And Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do. I trust you for what you're going to do. And Lord, we'll glorify you for what you do today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As I got down to verse number 11... And the Holy Spirit kind of led us back to go back and chew on it for a little while. Uh, sometimes I think it's important we do that. Don't, let's not get wrapped up and just reading through. Let's make sure we chew on it for a little while. And being to notice in verse number 11, there's something that I think we can apply to our new theme. And the more I began to pick on verse number 11, I began to see that there's a lot of necessary equipment that we're going to need as we set out as a church to be engaged, that every part would make increase. There's some equipment that God gives us in verse number 11 uh, that we're going to need to take on this journey. And what's interesting is if you look at verse number 11, look at the very last word. The very last word in verse number 11 is the word increase, and that is part of our theme, to be engaged, that every part would make increase. And I thought to myself when I read verse number 11, I said, you know what? That's the way that I am praying that our church ends in the new year. I, I pray and my burden and my heart's desire that God's given us for the new year is that the end of the year would be like the end of verse number 11, that we would end the year with increase. And I began to look at how we came about that end and began to see that there's three pieces of equipment in verse number 11 that we're going to need to take with us into this journey to be engaged. And this morning, very simple thought, very simple message, but this equipment is imperative that we have it. We must have what verse number 11 says that we must have in order to end an increase. It's not going to be an accident that at the end of 2020, we look back and see where God's blessed and where God has grown us individually and collectively. Look, increase is not going to happen by accident. There's some things we're going to have to take along the way. And so, Number one this morning, I want you to notice, it begins with a desire to end with increase. It begins with a desire to end with increase. Now, my desire in prayer is at the end of this year, Central Baptist Church looks back and we end having increase not only individually, but collectively in the will of God for this place. But there's something you need to understand. It's hard to win something that you don't really want. 
I want you to think about that. It's hard to win something that you don't really want. Uh, oftentimes, we, uh, we read the Word of God, and we try to get through the Word of God, and the truth of the matter is we're not really wanting to get anything out of the Word of God. But those who go into the reading of the Word of God, we're reading through our Bible schedules this year, those that desire to get something out of it will get something. And those that walk away from their Bible reading not getting anything, it'll be because they went into it not wanting something. There's one thing I've learned about myself, and maybe you can learn the same thing about yourself, is we usually end up getting what we want. We want it bad enough, we're going to get it. I thought about last night, something happened years ago as a kid. My, uh, my grandfather, my mom's dad, took me to an auction. I had never been to an auction before. But man, I'd seen him on television, I thought that was the neatest thing in the world, to buy somebody else's junk and get to compete with somebody else to buy the other person's junk. And I think mom and dad gave me $20 to go to the auction. I was so excited and sat there on the front row with my grandfather, a little blue building right there in Carson on the corner, Highway 42. And we get in there and all these folks are bringing this junk up there. And this guy pulls out a sickle. Now, if you know what a sickle is, it's like a crooked knife. It's basically what it is, a handheld sickle. And man, I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. I thought if I had a sickle, then man, I'd, I'd be the coolest guy on the block. And so they, they put that thing up there for a dollar. And I thought, man, I've got $20. Whoop, I just raised my hand up there. Next thing you know, this guy on the left, he started bidding. And I'm like, no, sir, no, sir. I've got to have that sickle in order to be cool. I mean, all my buddies' knives are straight. Imagine what I'd look like if I had a big crooked one. You know, I'd be the terror of Carson, Mississippi. Guy, he said $2. Man, I raised my hand. I went up $3. He raised his hand. Before it was all said and done, I had got it up to $10. And man, I had defeated. You could see the look on this guy's face. He was defeated. He was demoralized that this 10, 11-year-old kid had just outbid him for a $2 sickle for $10. And I got it. A few minutes later, they held up this neat mug. It was a ceramic mug. Now, at the time, I did not know what a beer stein was, Okay. Those of you that are laughing, you know what it is, and I'm ashamed of you for knowing what it is. Some of you were smart enough not to laugh. I didn't know what it was. It had this neat flip-top lid on it. I thought, well, that's the neatest cup. Not only will I have a sickle, but I'll have this really neat cup to drink my chocolate milk out of. And, man, here goes the bidding. And, man, I raised my hand. Well, here we go back and forth. This guy wanted it. My grandfather leaned over. He says, you don't really want that. I said, oh, yes, I do. That's the coolest cup I've ever seen. And so, man, I just kept on bidding. All I had was $10 left, and thank the Lord, I think they bottomed out around $9, and I came home with a sickle and a beer stein. In case you're wondering, I never used either of them, but I came home with them. Do you know why I came home with them? Because I wanted them, and I got what I wanted. Now, can I tell you something? The reason that verse number 11 ends in increase is because there's a desire to end that way. And if we as a church desire to see increase in our church, can I tell you the very first piece of equipment that you must take in this year as we go on this journey to be engaged, that every part would make increase, the first piece of equipment is a desire. You're going to have to desire to want it. December 27th is going to roll around, 2020. That's the last Sunday of the year. And when that Sunday rolls around, it's going to be too late then to want it. When that Sunday rolls around, the year's almost over. There's just four days left in the year. You've got to want it before then, and you've got to start wanting it now. 
All of us have New Year's resolutions. We desire to lose weight and desire to do this and desire to do that. Look, at the end of the year, it's kind of, kind of late to desire, decide to lose weight in 2020. You decide to do that now. Can I tell you what motivated so many of the heroes of the Word of God? What motivated them was a desire to end in a way that pleased God. I want you to think about the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. The Apostle Paul knows that as he goes to Jerusalem, that he's going into a buzzsaw. That he's going to face trials and afflictions for the cause of Christ. And yet the Apostle Paul, like a freight train, just keeps moving forward in the will of God for his life. Now, how did he stay so engaged? Knowing there's going to be trouble, knowing there's going to be trials, how did he stay engaged? How did he stay involved? How did he stay active? Keep reading verse 24. Paul says, none of these things move me. Paul says, I'm not going to be deterred. Paul says, I'm not going to be slowed down. I'm not going to be pushed back. Why? He says, so that I might finish. What motivated Paul to stay engaged in the will of God is he was thinking about the end. And he says, my desire is to finish my course with joy. I want to finish my course with joy. Now, folks, understand this this morning. If we want to finish and fulfill the will of God in 2020 for our church, it begins right now with a desire of how God wants us to finish. It's too late at the end of the year to start thinking about it. By the way, in 2 Timothy, as Paul was preparing to have his head chopped off, Paul says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Can I tell you, as I read that last night, what resonated in my heart, it sounds like he's joyfully about to cross the finish line. How could he do that? How did he stay engaged in spite of all the troubles and trials and even having his head chopped off? It was his desire to finish with joy. Can I ask you, we're just a few weeks into this new year. Based on your trajectory right now, what will you finish with? Paul says, I want to finish with joy. And Paul says, I'm not going to be deterred. I'm going to keep faithful. I'm going to stay committed. I'm going to stay submitted as we preached about last week. Why? Because he had a desire to finish with joy. Folks, if we're going to finish with increase in the new year, it begins today with a desire. you got to want it. Hebrews chapter 11, we read in the hall of fame of faith. The Bible tells us about Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham. The Bible says that they died not having received the promise. The Bible says there's a way that they died. They died in faith. They just kept with it. They kept with it. They stayed faithful with it. Why? Because if you'll keep reading in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 16, the Bible says this. They desired a better country. What motivated them? What motivated Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham? What kept them engaged in the will of God? They desired a better country. There was something on the inside that wanted what was going to be later more than what was put before them now. I think that's what the Bible tells us about, it, about Moses. The Bible says he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Number one, the first piece of equipment we must take with us is a desire to end with increase. You say, what is this word increase we keep talking about? Can I tell you just a simple country boy definition of the word increase? It just means more. Increase means more. 
You know, they come to you, they come around your restaurant and they refill your glass. You know, you want to fill it up, don't you? Hey, man, fill it up. Fill it up. I want more. Our desire for Central Baptist Church in the new year, we should desire more of God. We should desire to see more of God. We should desire to do more for God. We should desire to see God do more in our homes and God to do more in our lives. Can I tell you something? We still serve the God of increase. We still serve the God of more. His capabilities there. The problem is we don't want it. We don't. He sits up there with all the resources of heaven, and he says, I desire to do more. Don't you think it breaks the heart of God to see this world in the shape it's in? No doubt. No doubt. Look, he looks down from heaven, and he sees the shape things are in, and he looks down and realizes the answer is sitting in the pews here this morning. The problem is we don't want to be used to do more. Remember, we're the body that God's going to use to do more. Increases when God does more through us. Increase is when God does more in us. And I believe in the new year, God desires to bring increase. But our problem is our desires are not lined up with God's desires. And boy, if our desires are on the same page with God's, I think we've yet to see what God could do. First Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 6, Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but wait a minute, it was God that gave the increase. Paul says, look, I did my part and Apollos did his part, but ultimately it was up to God. Ultimately, God had to do what only God could do. And folks, that should be our desire for increase in the new year. That we're going to do our part. Hey, I'm Paul, I'm going to do my part, and you can be Apollos and you do your part. But ultimately, God's got to do something in this place. But he's not going to do something if we don't want him to. Somebody said once, I'll never forget it, God's not going to invade your will. God's not going to make increase in your life if you don't want it. I, I, years ago, uh, last summer, I preached to the teenagers. And it was the summer before last. And I told them about a Brazilian steakhouse that I went to called Texas Day Brazil. Anybody ever been to that? Oh, my goodness. Gracious alive. Uh, that's, that, that ranks right up there at the top with me. These men come around to your, your table, and they have these long swords, which is really cool. They bring you meat on a stick, but it's a sword. It's just a manly place to eat. They come around and they got prime rib and, 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 and what was it, lamb and chicken and all this on this sword. And they had this little card and uh, the top of the card was red and the bottom of the card was green. And when you wanted them to come by your table, you left the green part up. When you wanted them to stop because you had eaten so much you're about to be sick, you flipped the card over and you left the red side up. Well, when the lady brought me the card and she told me that, I says, don't worry, it's going to stay on green. And it did stay on green just for a little while. Matter of fact, while we were sitting there, the former uh, Tennessee Titan, Eddie George, came in and he sat beside us. And I'm watching him. I'm just, look, I didn't look as big as him, but I was going to try to eat as much as him. And I'm sitting there eating and eating. After a while, the man came by the table and he had that big sword and he had lamb chops on. And boy, those, those were very good. But I was full. I didn't want any more. I, I, matter of fact, told my wife, don't touch me. You ever been so full? You're like, my wife says, you ready to go? I said, don't move. Just, just don't move. It's just, it's about right there. You know, there's, there's traffic on the freeway down there, and it's stacked up pretty high. Don't bump me. Don't move. It's going to get bad. The lady came by, and I flipped my card down. It was red, and man, they had to pass on by with the food. I says, no, thank you. I don't want any more. Man, it was good stuff. And it just went against my grain. I believe somewhere in the word of God, it's a sin to pass up prime rib and stuff. But I didn't want any more. 
And oftentimes, I believe God walks up and down the aisles. And God walks up and down the rolls. And he looks, and our card is turned over red. We're telling God, I don't want any. God walks by, and he's got something good. And then we have the audacity to get jealous of our neighbor who God decides to use and God decides to bless. And the reason God's blessing them is simply not because he liked them more. They just wanted it. Now look, we're not going to end as verse number 11 ends with increase if you don't want it. And I hate to tell you, if you pass it up, you're going to miss out on something good. The God that we serve, listen, is the God that still desires to fill us. The Bible says, blessed are those, Matthew 5, that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be what? Filled. God's walking around, and God says, I've got exactly what you're looking for. I'm the God of increase. I can do what only I can do for you, but you've got to desire it. And I fear that we set out on this journey to seek out increase. The problem is we don't desire it. We don't want it enough. One of my favorite verses is Jeremiah 33.3. I love it, number one, because it's the same name that I have, but number two, because of the principle that's there. Call unto me. What is God saying? God says, call unto me and I will answer thee. But notice the call. It's the action that we must do first. You see, we do our part and then God works through that. And the Bible says, I will show thee great and mighty things thou knowest not. You ever get to a place in your life where there's something you don't know? Some of you, some of you don't, but I do all the time. I'm raising a 12-year-old, headed on 13. I've got a strong-willed wife. No, not really, but... There's oftentimes things I don't know. Folks will come to the office and ask a question. There's some things that I don't know. Aren't you glad that you don't have to sit in your ignorance, that there's a God that does know? And if we're just willing to want it bad enough to go to him, he promises to show us the things that we don't know. So can I ask you tonight or this morning, why are we living in ignorance? It's because we simply don't want it bad enough to ask. We want God to bless in the new year. We want to end with increase. Understand it begins with a desire to end that way. We've got to have a target that we're shooting at. I read a story about a man by the name of Norman Scheidel, and I don't know Norman. So if you look up Norman and find out that he's a communist, don't hold it against me, but he has a good quote that I want to give to you. He wrote an editorial in the Society of Automotive Engine Journal. He says this, A wise executive eliminates the word ought in his training of his employees. He eliminates the word ought. You know, you ought to do this, and you ought to do that. He says this, but unusually wise um, executives incorporate the word want. He says they lead people to serve out of want, not out of ought. I thought to ourselves, my goodness, the auto industry is a lot like the church. We've got a lot of people serving because that's what they ought to do. But hey, there ought to be something inside that we convert our ought to a want. That hey, I want what God wants for me. I want what God wants for my family. If God promises it and God offers it, hey, why don't we go on the same page with God and just want it too? The problem is, here's our problem. Oftentimes our desires get distracted. You see, we've got to want it. We've got to desire it. You're not going to end with increase if you don't desire it. And the problem is our desires are distracted by other things. I know that I get distracted very, very easily. It's amazing. It is amazing. Last night I pulled out my phone to look up a verse. I have a, I have a concordance on my Bible, and I pulled out my phone to look up a verse. And next thing you know it, I was on ESPN. It's amazing how fast that you can go from something totally uh, spiritual to something totally unspiritual. You get distracted very easily. Our desires are the same way. 
We set out to serve God today, and man, we get our compass realigned to true north today, and we're going to walk out those doors, seeking the will of God, setting the bullseye of increase, that we can end this year with increase, and next thing you know, Monday morning rolls around, and something shiny has distracted you. And we come dragging in here on Sunday. I know it because this is my testimony. We come dragging in here on the next Sunday, and our compass isn't pointed north anymore. We're pointed west. We have to get things back aligned where they need to be. I think this is what happened to Demas, don't you? Old Demas was doing well. He was serving God. The Bible says that Paul says, Demas has forsaken me. Here he was. He was locked in. He was engaged, and he was doing well. And all of a sudden, he looks around, and Demas is gone. You ever have friends like that? Well, look, you're in a group with Paul. Paul understands what that's like. He looked up and Demas is gone. Where was Demas? The Bible says, Demas hath forsaken me because the Bible says he has loved this present world. He got distracted. Look, if you're going to end an increase, you're going to have to desire to end that way and you're going to have to learn to manage your distractions. You're going to have to learn to manage the things that you desire and things that you go after because, to be honest with you, you can only go after one thing at a time. I've tried to do the other, but it doesn't work out too well. So look back at verse number 11. It ends the way that we desire to end with increase. But there must be a desire there. But here's what's interesting. Although it ends with desire, understand desire is just the beginning. You can want it, and that's good. You've got to be equipped with a want to. But wait a minute. Before they reached increase, watch verse 11. Let's go backwards. It ended with increase, but notice what came just before the increase. The Bible says, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. He that gathereth by labor, the Bible says, shall increase. So we have a desire, number one. There's got to be something inside of you that sets your heart and sets your desires on fulfilling this year with increase to the will of God. But the desire has got to lead to, number two, a dedication to labor for increase. A dedication to labor for increase. You know, one of the the best pieces of equipment that you have in your service to God is dedication. Desire is great. I think probably if we had to do a survey, most of us here today desire to serve God. But sooner or later, that desire has got to be transformed into the labor. We've got to put work to that. Notice the Bible says that he that gathereth by labor shall increase. Think about it this way. At some point, our want to has to be worked for. Sooner or later, our want to has to be worked for. I think I told you a while back, my daughter, uh, somebody introduced her to American Girl Dolls. And um, oh, how I appreciate that so much. (laughs) Couldn't have picked out a dollar store doll. Had to pick out the Cadillac and give my daughter one and start the collection that, 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 that cost me dearly. And I enjoy doing it. Thank the Lord, I only have one child. I don't know how you folks do it with a bunch. And uh, thank the Lord for grandparents. <laughs> grandparents help out that habit. They are contributing to the delinquency of a minor <laughs> with that. And man, after a while, she got all these dolls and said, Dad, I think I'd like to have the... They have Winnie Bagos for these things. <laughs> you know, Winnie Bagos. We went to New York City and we had breakfast with the dolls. I'm not joking. A restaurant where you have breakfast with the dolls and... They have doll-sized food with human-sized prices in there. 
Miley says, you know, I want a Winnie Bago. I can't remember what it was she wanted. She wanted one of the accessories. and That's where they get you. That's where they get you. With all those accessories, you know. And we're there at that store. And Miley says, before we got there, she says, Dad, I want to take my doll to the beauty parlor. I said, excuse me? She says, yeah, they have a beauty parlor. I'm talking about pump-up chairs and everything for these dolls. They even have an infirmary where they wheel them back on a gurney. And, you know, if they have, if they have uh, you know, if they were loved kind of aggressively, they can re, you know, rehabilitate them uh, with new parts and uh, bring them out to you. I don't know if you know how that. Our kids are in the back, right? All right, good. I just want to make sure that. I not want to hurt anybody's feelings. Miley says, Dad, when we get to New York, I want to take my doll to the hair salon. And so I asked my wife, I says, look it up. Do you know that that doll's haircut was more than mine? Now, granted, her doll has more hair than I do, but I can't imagine paying more for a doll's haircut than mine. He says, Dad, I want to have breakfast with my doll there. And we looked at the price of that, and I'm thinking, oh, my soul, we could buy a brand-new doll for what it costs to get the hair done. And I want to get a new outfit for my doll, and sooner or later, look, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a gullible dad, and I give in to the puppy dog eyes, but the puppy dog eyes can only go as far as the wallet will let you. I finally told Miley, I said, if you want it bad enough, you're going to have to work for it. I know that's a bad word in our society today. You're just going to have to work for it. But I says, look, sooner or later, your want to has got to be worked for. Now listen to me, Central Baptist Church. We can want and desire increase, and I hope your heart is stirred and you're excited about where God wants to take us. But understand... That we will not reach the end where increase is waiting without our people being dedicated to labor for the increase that God desires to do in our church. Proverbs 14, 23, the Bible says, in all labor there is profit. In all labor there is profit. But read the rest of the verse. The Bible says, the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. That means poverty. That means we can talk about it until we're blue in the face. But sooner or later, you've got to work for it. If you desire to see the labor. Today is the fifth anniversary, the official fifth anniversary of Bayou Baptist Church. Uh, they're celebrating today up there, and I had an opportunity to talk with the TJ yesterday as um, they're marking a very important anniversary in the life of the church. And he says, I had vision Sunday last Sunday, and this Sunday we're launching the uh, or having the anniversary service. And he says, This is the first one I've ever had. And he says, um, he says, we presented it, I think it went really well. And I says, now the hard part, right? He says, yeah, now the hard part. You can present the vision and how exciting it is to announce to your children, we're going to Disneyland. Uh, but then you have 12 months of work left to pay for that four-day trip to Disneyland. Sooner or later, we've got to be willing to work. Sooner or later, we're going to have to labor for which God desires to provide increase through. If you go back to 1 Corinthians 3, the Bible says, Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered. God gave the increase. Notice that God gave the increase after the labor of Paul and Apollos. We're sitting here, we're asking God, God give us increase. And God says, labor. It's interesting. You know me, I love words. I love looking up words. And looked up that word labor, and I meant to show it to you this morning on the screen so that you'll believe me. You know, sometimes people don't believe the preacher when he tells stories. It kind of hurts my feelings. After the service, you asked me, did that really happen? No, I just lied to you. From the, you know there would be a lightning bolt probably come through this ceiling if I lied to you behind the pulpit. I used to tell our folks all the time, I'll lie to you in the parking lot, but man, not in the pulpit. <laughs> folks, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen, listen. If we're going to see God work, it's going to require labor. You look up that word labor, and here's what it means. 
a man's hands. It means a man's hand. Look it up for yourself. Watch, let's read it again, verse 11. Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that getteth labor by hand shall increase. What does that mean? That means if we desire increase, sooner or later we're going to have to put our hands to the plow. Sooner or later, listen, we're going to have to put some of that sweat equity in there. We can pray for increase all day long, but sooner or later, our hands have got to lay hold of the plow of the will of God for this place. Watch God work through our labor. D.L. Moody crossed the, the Atlantic so many times, go over and preach campaigns in Europe, and on one of the, one of the voyages, a fire broke out on the ship, and one of the men that was with him, one of the preachers that accompanied him says this, should we go below the decks and pray? The old Moody says, of course not. He says, we're going to get in this fire brigade and pass buckets that the fire would be put out. Folks, we can pray and we can pray and pray is good, but sooner or later, we've got to put some feet and we've got to put hands to our prayers. We've got to be willing to labor, to labor for increase. I don't believe this morning that we can look forward to increase if we're not willing to labor for increase. We can look forward to all that God has planned. You know, look, the children of Israel, God showed them what he had prepared, a land flowing with milk and honey. God says, I have increase for you, and I want you to possess that increase, but you've got to go get it. And sadly, oftentimes, we don't want it bad enough to go get it. 1 Corinthians 15, the apostle Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And Paul goes on to say that it was not me, but the grace of God that worked in me. But here's what he says. I labored more abundantly than they all. Why did the apostle Paul finish his course with joy and find increase of where God had used him through his grace? Because Paul says, I labored more abundantly than they all. Oftentimes, I'll be talking with folks from our church and just Christians in general and talking about the will of God. And they'll say, well, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. Can I tell you, give you a good prescription? Work at it. Work at it. Hey, there's a lot of, look, you know when you was a baby, you wasn't good hardly for anything. But crying, eating, and dirty diapers. But all you were good for. But over time, you learned to do some things. And you got pretty good at those things that you learned to do. What happened? You had to work at it. Now, folks, it's going to be no different for the child of God. Listen, we may be babes in Christ, but sooner or later, we've got to work and labor at becoming who God would have us to be and doing what God's called us to do. Look back at verse 11. The second part says, but he that gathereth by labor or he that gathereth by hand, the Bible says, shall increase. There's one thing I know about myself, and I think probably human, all humans are about the same. Eventually, if it's worth it to us, we'll be willing to work for it. If it's worth it to us. We work for things that are worth it to us. A good example would be just to ask Jacob. Genesis chapter 29, we see Jacob has worked seven years for Rachel. Seven years. Now, why would, listen, uh, wives, don't ask your husbands when you get home, would you work seven years for me? Don't make them lie. No, I hope that they would. Laban says, if you want my daughter Rachel, you're going to have to work seven years for her. Jacob says, sign me up. She's worth it. Laban tricks Jacob. You know the story. And it's Leah instead. And he says, hey, wait a minute. You gave me the wrong one. 
I wanted Rachel. He says, oh, he says, well, I'm giving you the firstborn according to our custom and our tradition. If you want, Rachel, you're going to have to work seven more years. Definitely don't ask your husband, would he work 14 years for you? <laughs> He'll come back with one of those band-aids on his face that we talked about this morning. Genesis chapter 29, verse number 20. The Bible says that Jacob worked. But you read why Jacob worked. The Bible says that it seemed a little time. The time seemed but few because the Bible says he loved her. He loved her. You know, there's our problem, I think, this morning. We don't love the things of God enough. We're in love with other things. We talked about that Wednesday night. We're in love with this life, and our affections are set too low on things here below rather than on things above. I promise you, if it'll become worth it to you, you'll be willing to work for it. Several years ago, many years ago, we were down at the camp, and we had some neighborhood kids, you know, those ones whose parents never know where they're at, and they just wander the world, and they showed up down at the camp while we were working, and they wanted to borrow, I think, $20 from my dad. Brother Jack, we need to borrow $20. We need to borrow $20. Why do people always come to the preacher to borrow money? I don't know, but I need to borrow $20. And my dad said, well, I'm not going to give you $20, but I'll hire you to do a job. We looked around. There wasn't really anything you wanted to trust them with. You didn't want to trust them with tools. So this is no joke. My dad says, look, no joke. You can ask him after the service. He said, you see all those rocks out there in the parking lot of the camp? They says, yes, sir. He says, people have been driving on those rocks for years and just about wore out the top side. Well, you go out there and flip them all over so we can wear out the other side. And dad asked old Johnny. Dad says, Johnny, you ever done something like that before? And Johnny says, yes, sir, all the time. You look out the window, there's old Johnny and his brother flipping over rocks. I don't know what they needed $20 for. But evidently, it was worth it. Why? Because they were willing to do whatever it took to get the $20. Look, it was, worth, it was a $20 laugh. It was worth it just to watch them out there flipping over the rock. Yes, sir, we've done that stuff before. Do that kind of stuff all the time. And they were only too eager to go flip rocks. Why? Because something was worth their $20. The sad thing is, the work of God to us oftentimes does not appear to be worth it. Why? Because we're not willing to do what is required in order to get the job done. So number one, the pieces of equipment that we need, we need a desire to end with increase. It begins with a desire, but sooner or later that desire has got to become a determination and a dedication to labor. But the last thing is very, very important. I want you to look down at verse 11 one more time. The very first part of verse number 11 is really what stumped my toe as I read this Monday morning. The Bible says, wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished. It's amazing the turn verse 11 takes. The second half is very exciting, very encouraging, but that first half is, is almost a warning. It's almost saying, beware, wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished. Can I tell you, sometimes the best piece of equipment is a warning. It's a warning. Several years ago, I went hunting in Colorado, went elk hunting. It's the first time I've ever been hunting in the mountains. And my wife, as a loving wife would do, didn't want her husband to come back in a box. And so she packed me all of this equipment. She went to Walmart and bought it for me. She bought me a compass. She bought me some matches and a flashlight. She bought me some medicine. She bought me this, you know, bug bite stuff. And she even bought me a whistle that if I were to get lost up in the mountains, I could blow the whistle I don't think my pride, Brother Jim, would have let me blow on the whistle because that would admit admitting that I was lost. But 
I looked in this bag, and there's all this equipment. So she's getting me equipped for this trip. And as we got ready to leave the, uh, the man's house that we're hunting in to drive up into the mountains, he says, there's something I need to tell you. It was dark. He says, we have mountain lions around here in Colorado. And they like to sleep up in the trees. He says, so when you go up in the mountains and you sit down next to a tree, be sure you look up in the trees. He said, because when the cat wakes up and comes down the tree in the morning and you're there, well, cats are hungry like us for breakfast. Guess what? Your breakfast. He says, he will grab you around the throat with his teeth, and then he will take his hind legs and kick your guts out. I'm thinking to myself, I wish they'd have told me this before I left Louisiana. All of a sudden, I went on an elk hunt, and I'm on a survival mission. I get to my spot about three-quarters of a mile up into the mountains, and I'm sitting next to my tree, and the entire time, I'm just sitting there looking up. There, there was probably world-class elk walk out in front of me, but the entire time, I'm looking up in this tree. Look, I was engaged. I was locked in. I wasn't, look, you, you could not distract me. Why? Because I'm looking for that cat that's going to bite me around the neck and kick my guts out. <laughs> the best piece of equipment that I took in the mountains that morning was a warning. Keep me alive. And there's a warning in verse number 11. Now watch close. The Bible says, wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished. Wealth gotten by vanity shall be Diminish the last piece of equipment. Notice the danger that threatens our increase. There's a danger that threatens our increase. The word wealth means substance or increase. The word wealth means substance or increase. The blessings of God. Notice, increase gotten by vanity shall be diminished. Vanity means superficial or shallow. Watch what it's saying here. Increase that's gotten by superficial or shallow means, the Bible says, shall be diminished, or it means it will not last. The increase that we are desiring that take place in our church in the new year cannot be superficial. It must be lasting increase. But here's the problem. Oftentimes, the pieces that God wants to bring together in a church to accomplish his will, we are very superficial. So what does that mean? It means we are very shallow. You know, it's 2020, and in 2020, all that matters is what you see on the outside. Integrity doesn't matter anymore in America. Now, I understand that for the lost world, but the sad thing is, in the church, we've gotten to that place. For all that matters is what people see on the outside. And I want you to know something. If we are superficial pieces, if we are only skin deep in our desire and our dedication, understand that it'll be diminished. It will not last because we're shallow. Today we pride ourselves on our profile pictures, don't we? We put this picture of the Waltons or that happy family. Below the surface, there's a dumpster fire happening in our hearts and our homes and in our churches. We put together a good front and we look good and we have a, a good show to put on. That's what the profile picture shows, but what we don't see is below the surface, things are not right. And it's proven out. Why? Because usually it's diminished. It doesn't last. 
I don't know about you, but I desire to see lasting increase in our church. The only way that we'll see lasting increase in our church is if our people, listen, our service goes beyond skin deep. It's got to be from the heart. This is the problem the Pharisees had. Matthew 12, uh, 23, 27, Jesus told the Pharisees, you're like whited sepulchers. You look good on the outside. On the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. And I assure you, look, if we want God to work in this place, if we want to get used, then we as a church has got to get real. We can't be vain. We can't be just the surface. We're going to have to be real. We've got to have some spiritual integrity. I'll tell you what's going to happen. The Bible says, wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished. The only hope is for our service to reach below the surface. You know, I can only see what's on the surface this morning. You can only see what's on the surface. I put on a nifty purple and gold tie. I thought that was kind of appropriate. Got a nice purple, uh, gold hanky, and I got some nice purple and gold socks this morning. If you're wondering what happened, just go back and see what happened last Monday. Look pretty sharp, but you don't know what's going on under here. I don't know what's going on under here in your life. But I assure you, what happens in our church in 2020 will be a reflection of what was going on in here, not what we wanted everybody to see out here. So the Bible says, wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished. It's not going to last. Now, folks, can I tell you something? If we want to see God work in our lives, in our homes, and in this church, we've got to be real. We've got to get back to the place where it's beyond the vainness of what's on the outside to what God knows is on the inside. Because I'll assure you this, what's on the inside is sooner or later going to come out on the outside. You know, in Acts chapter 5, verse 39, they're getting ready to kill the apostles. Listen to me, and I'll give you this, and we'll be done. They're getting ready to kill the apostles for preaching Christ, and here comes Gamaliel, and he steps between them. The Bible says he gave them some space. He says, hey, back off. And he says in in chapter 5 of Acts, he says, if this work be of God, if this work be of God, you can't overthrow it. But if it be of man, if it be of man, it won't last Can I tell you what happens inside of this church in 2020 will be a result of whether or not we were of God or whether the work was of man. We've got to get beyond the surface this morning. If we want to get used, we're going to have to get real. Several years ago, my wife and I went to buy a house. Ironically, it was not the Lord's will because the Lord knew we'd be moving. We just didn't know it yet. And man, we pulled up to this house. It was a beautiful house sitting off the edge of the road, and I could hunt out my back door. I said, yes, yes, this is a great house. We need to buy this house. And it was well within budget. And we walked in, and it was beautiful. They're showing us around. And we get to the back, uh, the back bedroom, really, if you were, the back kind of family room. And there was a massive crack in the foundation. It was a half inch wide, and one side of the crack was a half inch higher than the other. It's Louisiana. It's just like, you know, you build it on jello. It's, the ground was so soft. And as good as that house looked, and as much as we wanted that house, we did not buy the house, and we could not use the house. Why? Because below the surface, there was something that was wrong. The house was unlivable. Now, folks, we desire God to do something in this place in the new year. And we can dress it up, and we can look nice, 
And we can have it just the way we think we like it. But if things are not right below the surface, listen, do not expect God to move into this place. Because it's faulty. Now, folks, sooner or later, it's going to be proved out. Why? Gamaliel says, if it be of God, you won't overthrow it. But if it be of man, don't worry. It'll all wash out. It'll be diminished. So this morning, the best piece of equipment that we need to take with us is the danger of what happens when we're not real. Verse 11, wealth increase gotten by vanity shall be diminished. Can I ask you this morning, as we set out at the beginning of this year, next week we jump right into the nuts and bolts of the theme. Here we are, the second week we're about to begin this journey. Can I ask you, do you have the proper equipment to make this journey? Do you have what's going to be required to see this thing all the way to the end? Number one, a desire to end with increase. You've got to want it. You've got to want it. Number two, you've got to have a dedication to labor. I'm willing to work. I'm willing to do what God requires of me to do in order to have increased. But then most importantly, this danger. Do not let, listen, do not let who you are not threaten who you could be. Why don't we just get real this morning? Why don't we just pour? I love the choir special a moment ago. The power of the cross. And I was thinking to myself, how many folks have come down to this altar? And if we could just see the way God sees it, how many piles of chains are there down here? Of people who decided, you know what, I'm not going to let that hold me back anymore. I'm not going to quit pretending anymore. And they left the chains at the altar. That's the power of the cross. We could be real this morning. We've got to decide. I desire increase. I'm going to be dedicated to labor for increase. And I'm going to accept the danger. And understand the danger there is from being a superficial, shallow Christian. Let's stand together this morning with our